Welcome to The Conversation. This is Gretchen. And hi, I'm Christy. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 10, where we will be continuing the conversation about grief and loss. This week, we are focusing on suicide, and we were able to um, interview a mother and daughter who um, both lost, honestly, someone close yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christy will tell you more about that. But we just wanted to take a little bit of time, maybe to just like chat about suicide, because I think it's something that obviously doesn't get talked about a lot. And then when it does, I think a lot of... Well, there's a lot of misconceptions. And there's a yes, lot of judgment. Misinformation. There's a lo- absolutely. Because... People don't always feel comfortable sharing all of, you know, the entire story with every person as, you know. Well, understandably, right. Because again, there comes this stigma with suicide and Mm -hmm. what people think about it when they hear that someone has died by suicide. Oh, and definitely speaking from experience, you know, people who commit suicide, you will always hear from the people around them you wouldn't have seen it coming. You know, they're oh, yeah. very good at masking what it is that they're going through because the people that are reaching out and talking about their depression and the thoughts that they're having, um, they're more likely to uh, use the tools and resources that um, are available to them. Well, they're talking about it, right? I mean, I think the biggest thing too, and just one of the big themes, right, of our podcast is how important it is to process and talk about Mm -hmm. what you feel, what you think, what you experience, and to realize that that's normal. So it is very normal to have thoughts that like, I don't know if I can keep going and Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Mm -hmm. And maybe everyone else around me would be better off if I wasn't here. And when we only have ourselves to talk about with, or not like there's no one else that we're talking to about Mm -hmm. these things. And to also know that other people feel this way too. And that people want to be there for you. Yes. So, um, in our previous podcast, I know that Corey had talked about, just being so surprised at how many people were there for him that he wouldn't have even guessed. And it's that, you know, you have to take that initial time to reach out and see. And some people will really surprise you. So I think that being able to talk about it, um, and as a therapist, I see a lot of times people who just go directly on medication without trying therapy first. Mm. And I always say, you know, therapy and medication together is a great combination. Yes. Therapy alone can sometimes work, but just medication alone is not going to change those thoughts and patterns and behaviors that um, that contribute to depression. So yeah. I really feel like the medical community does a disservice um, when they just prescribe people medication without suggesting therapy or having people monitor it as well. Well, and I think we, a lot of people who are struggling you know, go to their primary care doctors. And Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But I relate it to, you know, if I were having issues with my foot, I wouldn't go see a cardiologist, right? I would Mm -hmm. go see a foot doctor, someone that specializes in that. So if you feel like you are struggling with depression, with anxiety, with something, and you feel like maybe medication would be beneficial, um, strongly, strongly recommend seeing a psychiatrist. Obviously, going and talking to your PCP or your family care doctor is a good first step as well. Right. First line of defense. Absolutely. But But like get an appointment with a psychiatrist, go and talk to someone who specializes in the mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Because again, like if you were having heart issues, you would go and see a cardiologist. And it is impossible to know every single factor that's at play in any given situation that we're in, in our lifetime. So there's no way to 
tease apart like this is the reason why it happened or that is the reason why or I could have prevented it if I had done this or you know it's multi-factor absolutely well and mm-hmm. I think the majority of things are I know that when I'm in therapy with a lot of people whatever it is that they're going through I hear that a lot they're like well I don't understand why I'm feeling this way whatever it is that you're feeling because nothing is big enough to have happened that would make me feel this anxious mm-hmm. or this depressed or this stressed right and I'm like you know rarely is it just one thing and when it have is, you, um, it's super obvious. Yeah. Have you seen, there's a show on, and I've only seen a couple of episodes, but um, the topic is suicide, and the opening scene, um, one of the main characters commits suicide, and the title of it is called A Million Little Things. Mm. And it's just that. It's a million little things that maybe just add up, and then yeah. finally people say, you know... Um, it's too much. Mm-hmm. One, again, it's a million little things, and and they're not talking about it to anyone. So, right. like, Christy and I were just talking before about um, like all the famous people that we've seen in the news from Robin Williams to Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain who have committed suicide. And just like Christy said, that like the the response to these people's um, deaths is shock. Yeah. I well, never would have seen right. this coming. Or and I it also goes to the show, it doesn't matter how much money you have right. or how much, you know, you can travel or how... What your background yes, is. absolutely. That everybody is susceptible to, you know, feeling overwhelmed. Well, right. It occurs in all demographic groups. Mm -hmm. I think that that is absolutely a really important thing. And I think it's important to recognize that suicide isn't talked about a lot. And so we often... There's a big shame factor in that. Um, Shame for the person who's going through that and shame for the family once it has happened because it does go... It's so unreported and there is such a stigma around it that people, um, they just feel greatly judged by whether it's a school community or you know a religious community or just maybe people, even sometimes their family well, they yeah, just people that just don't understand right right um so i think it's important to realize that more often than not they are happening more than we realize um and often it is one of the leading causes of death at least in the united states um and it's important to recognize that, that more people are struggling than mm-hmm. we realize. Well, there's a statistic that there um, are there were twice as many suicides in the United States as there were homicides a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we're just so used to homicides being talked about or um, reported on the news and um, that this, this kind of silent killer, if you will, yeah. um, is much more prevalent than people even know. Right. Right. Absolutely. And from the same year that suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34, and the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. So, well, and think about the age of technology that we're in now. There's a lot more available to teens and on social media and um, feeling overwhelmed. And remember being a teenager, like everything was the end of the world most of the time. And you don't want to talk to your parents about things. And not everybody is supported in going to therapy, especially at that age. I commend the parents who bring their teens in and say, you know, I trust you. And I believe that them having a safe space to talk about anything is more important than me needing to know everything Absolutely. about what's going on. I can't imagine not having a break like when I, when we were in school because there was no social media. Like I didn't ha- I didn't join Facebook until I was in grad school in two thousand five, and I can't imagine because I was bullied and I was teased, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine 
going home and that continuing because of Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all these other, whatever, Twitter and mm-hmm. texting. And and just- a lot of kids that I work with that are depressed and eating disorders especially too, um, this need to seek out the negative outlets. And, the, oh. and they are out there. They're definitely out there. And so then I'm working with kids on, and adults on how to stop the addiction of going to these places where they feel... Um, a more of a sense of normalcy because there are a lot of people who are unhealthy and yeah. sharing unhealthy behaviors and sharing unhealthy ideas and then getting a sense of um, accomplishment, so to speak. Yeah. Like that, you know? Yeah. Um, something else that's really important to discuss is that talking about suicide is very important. Again, it's important to normalize our experiences. So if you suspect that someone is depressed or you know that someone is depressed or maybe someone has made some comments and part of you thinks, oh, that sounds a little bit like maybe you're thinking they're suicidal. Ask them. Mm -hmm. Um, You asking someone who is suicidal if they are suicidal will not make them more suicidal nor will it make someone who is not suicidal want to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. That's important. It's very important. It's so important that you know you talk to people about are you thinking about doing Mm -hmm. this and if they say yes having them talk to you about it and have a plan and for people out there who struggle with depression it's important to have a person have a person in mind that you know you can call that you trust um because i think that people get this fear of even calling you know a hotline or something like that when i talk to people who could benefit from having the resolve here in pittsburgh um crisis line People are not sitting on the other end waiting to come and haul you off and throw you into a padded room. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, psychiatric beds are hard to come by. So um, just reaching out and having, you know, a safe person to talk to is such an important thing. Yeah. And so, again, if you and if you want to be one of those safe people, because I think that's terrifying. Like, mm-hmm. who do you know who those safe people are? Yeah. You know, and... and even if you're going to a therapist, I hope and pray that you have someone who isn't judgmental and the minute you mention suicide isn't talking about calling the hospital or mm-hmm. something like that. But, um, you know, the hope is, you know, if you're calling that hotline, those are people that are trained. They're trained to be understanding, to support you, to not be judgmental. And so... Um, and I think well, what you just said you always don't know what you're getting to. So if you do have a helping professional that's not being helpful, find being somebody able else. to find somebody else. Yes, because um, not every some people are judgy, and so it's true. and Abby and her mother, mother uh, Marsha, I really commend them for their bravery in mm-hmm. coming on and talking about this because I know um, they had to have been through so many judgmental situations and um, herbs. Um, suicide happened 12 years ago so imagine like all the changes that happened in 12 years you know and so coming on and talking about this um is difficult and rehashes all kinds of emotions so i want to thank them again really appreciate it yeah we're really happy to have individuals who are willing to come on and talk about this because we know that it's a really difficult topic so um we hope that it's super insightful and hopefully there are people out there that can connect to this and um as always, if you have questions, you can reach out to us. Um, you For can sure. always um, email us or reach out to us on our Instagram page. And if we can be a resource in any regard, please 
let us know. Well, and if you want it to be confidential, absolutely go through our website then because there is a contact page where you can put in some information and it gets emailed directly to Christy and I in a private email. Um, and that's so, conversationstoconnect.com. Correct. So here's Christy's segment with Abby and Marsha. Hi, today we're continuing our discussion about grief and the holidays, and I would like to welcome Abby Ritter and Marsha Ritter, Abby and her mother, Marsha, I should say, um, to discuss uh, some of their grief around the holidays uh, surrounding the loss of Abby's father and Marsha's husband. So welcome. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank Absolutely. You. Thank you for being here. Um, Gretchen and I would like to get as much information as we can out there to kind of normalize what people are going through during the holidays surrounding grief and loss. So would either one of you um, mind starting to talk about the loss that you experienced? Uh, sure. Uh, my husband, Herb, died 12 years ago in January, and it was suicide. So that was really shocking. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I would say that there can be uh, sadness and grief during the holidays. You know, because every, you know, everything you look at, you know, everything that you do, really, you know, he's not involved in any longer. Right. So, you know, you just have to sort of find different ways to maybe make the holidays different without that person. Yes. You know? So you said in January it happened, so you were coming off of a holiday season. Right. And what were the holidays like prior to your loss that you remember? Good. Yeah. yeah they were, I have normal. a lot of good memories. But they normal. Yeah, of, <laughs> of holidays. Um, both my parents were really involved in I don't know, Christmas and making it special for my brother and I, so... Um, and what were your ages when he um, died? I was 20, and Mason, Mason just, was 12, was, I yeah, think. Yeah, just turned 12. Yeah, okay. so, um, yeah, he's very, really young. So that was, that was hard. Yeah. That was hard because, you know, especially, you know, for both of them, you know, um, yeah, it's, it, it's not yeah. easy when, you know... D death comes in all different ways, you know, but suicide is definitely different than knowing that someone may be passing from cancer or some other medical problem that they've had for years, you know, it, yeah. it's just more shocking. And, and we've talked about the stigma surrounding suicide and yes. some of the judgments that people might make or mm -hmm. some things that families might go through when they experience that specific type of loss. I think that people, people yeah. yeah, they get a picture in their head of somebody that is so severely depressed for so long. Um, yes. Whatever. Right. Yes. So, and I never like met your... suicidal, but yeah. you know, that wasn't the way. Right. You would have never known. Never I think, even known. I think back to a picture that Abby shared once, because I didn't know your husband, but just how genuine of a person he looked like and how strong of a relationship it looked like he had with Abby and Mason, some of the pictures. Family. That, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was very kind, generous, just a really sweet mm. human being. And so uh, that came really as a shock for us. I mean... And we didn't really know uh, emotionally, you know, where he was at or what he was going through. You yeah, know? he he um, he wasn't feeling good, um, uh, and he told my mom that, and he decided to go to the um, 
uh, family uh, doctor to just get a checkup and he ended up coming home and my mom asked what you know the doctor said and he had said that the doctor prescribed him depression medication and the doctor told him that he was depressed and um, you know we're pretty holistic family and we like to do things more naturally and my mom was saying, you know, why don't we start walking or do some things out counseling. in nature, counseling. Mm -hmm. Talk about and, it, um, see what you can do for them. Did yeah. the doctor recommend counseling? No. No, and just medication. Yeah, so... Just the medication. So, and he was not monitored either. And so my mom ended up, you know, saying, You're, you should do whatever, what you feel that you need to do for yourself, bottom mm -hmm. line. And he decided to go on the medication, and in less than two weeks of being on it, he... Um, you know, died to suicide, and, uh, and he was vomiting. He was, but he was having like symptoms. He was having all, all of the mm. side effects that we didn't know at the time no. were until I got Not to read the, the um, medication, the back of it, and saw that that was a lot of the most of the side effects that was happening, and that's what I think I am really. It's most upsetting and but most passionate about because yeah, I um, I hope that other people can be aware of if someone is new to a depression medication to be able to monitor and know that uh, what the side effects are and just to be aware of things that we weren't able to be aware of or we weren't you know we didn't know mm -hmm. um, and to possibly be able to help them and and also you know it's a lot of the, I think that people do need to be on medications, you know, certain uh, things, but uh, things can be overprescribed and they need to be given by someone that really knows what they're prescribing to someone and not just um, a family PCP. And monitored. Yeah. And, um, and be checked in with, you know, and monitored. So, yeah. In counseling, we say that sometimes counseling alone can help, but usually medication alone doesn't help. So that if somebody is taking a medication, it's best that they, like you said, Marcia, be monitored by another professional. And I know, Abby, you are so passionate, you will become a therapist soon yourself yes. in, in an effort to help. And I think that all of our collective life experiences help us, you know, yeah. share that information with other people. That's true. And how did you find out when, um... I, I actually, I knew he was gone mm. the day before they found his body. Mm. I just knew it. I couldn't pick up any vibration of him on the planet. Mm -hmm. I knew it. And I called my best friend and I said, there's something wrong. Mm. Something's wrong. Mm. I called my minister. I said, there's something wrong. Oh, don't think like that. Don't say that. I said, I'm telling you, I know. But before Something that... Something is wrong. Um, we... Uh, ha my dad had his own business, so he had these kind of walkie-talkie Nextel phones, and he would check in throughout the day, and I was in college at the time, and so he would always check in, and around noontime, he was not checking in, and that um, I remember vividly because my mom asked if I had talked to my dad and I said no and that was on a Monday morning and I had just left I drive I would drive home for the weekends at school to or from school to be with my family and I had just gave my dad a kiss um, and left for school that morning was up at school and then lunchtime rolled around and I didn't hear from him and my mom checked in and I knew when she said like asked if I had heard from my dad and I said no 
I immediately drove home and I pretty much drove to his work to look for him. And I was expecting, you know, because my dad, he never did not like check in with us. Mm-hmm. So no. we knew something was wrong pretty much, yeah, from that point. I was point. with him for 26 years and every day in contact, never separate, you mm-hmm. know, never separated, mm-hmm. you know? So we knew, I knew. And you have a connection with somebody like that so oh, yeah. strong that I you... I knew, I yeah. knew. So, so it just... wasn't until the following day then. That yes. was on a Monday at, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon it and not pretty... until 4.20 on Tuesday. Yeah, it was... They a... found his body. It was pretty and... nightmarish because you pretty much... Not nightmarish, but, you yeah, know, it, you're living a nightmare. You're, yeah. you're waiting all day <laughs> knowing that they are pro- they're dead because, you know, you haven't heard from them. Where, so would, called, where would they be? So we yeah. filed a missing persons Shared report. Police. We were up all night. And then, you know, that next day, um, you know, the police came knocking on the door, like you see on the movies, mm-hmm. telling telling you that they found, um, you know, his body. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a scarring experience. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, but, and for each yeah. person different, I can yeah. imagine even within your family, everybody handled things from Mason being so much younger to you in college and you had been with him for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it does affect everyone so differently. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I, I, I also wanted to, I, I don't know if I should add this, but Herb's father killed himself. Mm. So, and that was, um, something that we both had lived through together also. So you were with him when that happened? Mm. Did he talk about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, so it was a generally was open with person. Mason. I was pregnant with Mason, mm. actually, at the mm-hmm. time. There's this generational piece, I think, that sometimes people don't feel comfortable talking about their feelings, but like you were saying, that wasn't the case with you guys, that you feel like he would have oh, yeah, reached we, out. Yeah, exactly. So that was even odder. Yeah. You know, that he had that experience himself mm-hmm. with his own father. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, some people hold everything within themselves, and nobody knows what goes on in someone else's mind or mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. And now being around the holidays, it's been years. So does that, do the feelings change over the years? Can you talk a little bit about what maybe the first holiday was like without him and if it's changed since then? Um, I think that, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of the years blur together, um, and I forget a lot. (laughs) Um, but I think the first couple of years were probably really the hardest, um, just because you're getting into this routine of not having that person in your life anymore. And, um, yeah, it's really, uh, painful. Mm -hmm. Um, and just because, like I said, the holidays were always a special time in our family and they did so much um, around Christmas to make it, you know, it's, it's going to sound cheesy, but Christmassy, like, you know, all the, Mm -hmm toys and everything, and uh, my dad would take us down to um, look at the um, Kaufman when Kaufman's was open, um, the the windows and things like that, so Mm -hmm. we would do special things like that, um, but yeah, it was hard, Um, I think it's a little bit better now, but 
it's not to say that there aren't times that are, you know, make me upset or things like that. Um, I think for a lot of people, depends. it's they don't see those moments coming. So you might be in the middle of doing something and not expect to have, like, a grief response to that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be anything that's triggering. I mean, whatever. Song. Yeah. Um, Plaid could, shirt, whatever. I mean, yeah. uh, sometimes I'm out running. It doesn't even have to be the holidays. And my dad's um, truck that he um, used to drive for his business, his friend bought his business, and I will see his truck driving, or, like, past me, mm -hmm. and it will, that will be a trigger. So. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, it could be anything, really. <laughs> right at, do you remember the time right after his passing and what your community was like for you? Did you have support in your we life? Had support, but the support was, um, we, we did have a negative response, uh, actually, immediately. That my, my neighbor was a nurse and is so awesome and called the crisis center, but it was a very negative response. A woman sat in my living room and told me that that was the most selfish thing that my husband could have ever done, and I said, someone needs to tell her to leave. She needs to leave immediately. And this was a crisis counselor? Yeah, mm -hmm. and she, she, she was escorted out of the home. But, yeah, that was really hard. You know, mm -hmm. the things that they were to do for my son in the school district, it didn't, mm -hmm. wasn't in you know, um, put into place, mm -hmm. yeah. um, things like that, that I felt really strongly about. So I told them, you know, it was at the school that I would not be bringing my child back to school. So they, what kinds of things? Um, what do you mean? What, oh, the no, things that they said, weren't implementing? Well, they, they just wouldn't, they, they were to go into the school and explain that, you know, uh, Mason's father had died and mm -hmm. things like that and sort of, that's a protective layer for the child, you know. Yeah. And they didn't follow through with any of it. So I decided to keep him out. I thought, I'm not even going to put him into a situation where some child is going to say anything negative to my child when, you know, he's been hurt. Yeah, the depth of his core at this point, and it's not ha no one's going to touch him. Yeah, so I and had a lot of questions around everything. that. And children tend to personalize a lot of things. So when oh. you're going through something like that, oh. to have the layer of teenage kids who don't necessarily know or understand what's going on, I'm sure was difficult. Yeah, so I had um, actually it was his third grade teacher, which was so awesome. They rehired her, and he became she became his tutor. Oh. For the rest of the school year, she came every day, read to him. You know, they did all of his projects. So that was that was awesome. But I I I can remember the um, I mean, it was very very hard. Yeah, very hard, and not really knowing why or how or not what, having the answers for yourself. <laughs> what do we do? What yeah. Do we, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, he runs a business, his own business. How am I going to function and? follow through and trying to figure out how his business is going to run and mm -hmm. it was just, just a lot you yeah. know of figuring things out you know but the logistics piece gets thrown on top of people you know what i mean you oh, have everything. this it was huge loss logistics yeah. mm -hmm. family mm -hmm. i mean just all of it yeah. you know um, so when you're trying to figure out what's going on in your life trying to move forward trying to support your kids as well i think that that's right. a lot of different pieces to it. And Abby, as long as I've known you, you've been such a strong advocate for getting information out there. Is there 
anything that you can think of that you felt like you didn't want other people to have to experience? I just hope that others that have experienced or may experience what I have, that they can, um, you know, not feel that they can't talk about it. Or I think I had mentioned about stigma. I think that was one of the main things is Mm -hmm. feeling judged for, um, you know, the person that died to suicide, feeling like you have to explain, um, what a good person they were and they weren't this or that, or, you know, um, just hopefully, um, I I hope others feel that they can feel comfortable talking about them and sharing their story because I think stories are really helpful in our healing process. And also, um, it helps others to, um, you know, know that they're not alone and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there's other people that have experienced, you know, what they have and things like that. Yeah, and I think that, like you were saying, how when there is a stigma involved, people can pass all kinds of judgments, and they might feel awkward and not knowing what to say. They don't want to hurt. Yeah, they don't want to hurt people, and so they don't say anything, or they say something that they maybe assume might help, but it it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just being there for someone and not having to say, you don't have to say anything, just being there for the person that lost someone, and whatever that way of of loss, you know, just the presence of someone is really, I think, um, helpful and, uh, you don't have to say anything. You can just say, I'm here for Mm -hmm. you. And, um, and also like, there's no like, yeah, like time frame and healing. I think that a lot of people feel like they need to, or they feel that they're rushed through or there should Mm. be like a time limit of grieving and of getting over something. Yeah, Yeah. It's like, you should be passed or like, you know, you should be good and okay. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there's no... Yeah, that's ti- the there's hardest n- part. There's no mm-hmm. time limit on that- grief. And, yeah, I mean, I know that you should be moving along in a healthy way. Right. But, but at the same time, it's something that, you know, you absorb as part of who you are now. You know, that's part of your story well, and who you, you are. I had to remake yeah. my, uh, my, my identity. Mm-hmm. And is it difficult moving on in that sense when it's somebody that you're so closely married with for that long? Because you think, what is going on? Mm -hmm. I have to try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What am I going to do? You know, I'm a widow now. Mm -hmm. You have these kids to take care of. You know, and you do. You have to remake yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, a good thing I'm a strong person. Mm -hmm. Really. You know, some people aren't as strong as I am. Mm -hmm. I know I notice and I didn't mention this but you're both very much into yoga and so has yoga been a way for you to be able to process some of this? Yeah, I'm uh yeah, I would say it has been it's been a really big um part of my life. Um I I've done yoga since I was 16, but um my mom got me into it and then um I actually would teach, our, our teacher was a pri- private yoga instructor that taught um, partner yoga, and I would be his partner because he was, we were similar height, and with partner yoga, it's good to have the same, like, size partner. Abby anyway. is very tall, <laughs> for those of you listening. <laughs> anyway, anyways, um, the reason why I'm telling that story is because he would have these, like, 
wine and cheese and yoga mixed in partner yoga classes my mom and dad would go to and I would love watching them do yoga together I thought that was always fun because my dad was really tall and I don't know it's just like not someone you'd think would do yoga yeah and they'd always be having a good time so um when my dad died my mom wanted to go back to yoga school and um she asked if I wanted to go and I said yes and I ended up taking my 200 hour training um with my mom and then I Loved it so much, I took my 500-hour and um, took other trainings with Ayurveda. And I just love it so much. It's, uh, I mean, I can't speak more, I don't know the right words to say. Um, is it highly of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But, yeah. I Abby really, and Marsha both teach at the Village Center for yes. Holistic Therapy. Right. <laughs> Little plug, by the way. Right. Come see us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Part of our village family. Well, and something that, Abby, you had mentioned before that I wanted to swing back on real quick, because as a therapist, nothing drives me crazier than what you guys were talking about with the crisis worker, that people say what a selfish act it is. Because, in fact, like in working with people that are so severely depressed, their family is what holds them on to the very last straw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when people have crossed over to feeling as though people are better off without them or that you know things are so bad they're not going to get better, that putting that onto the family is just like another kind of layer yeah a jab to the yeah thank you Mm -hmm. and then even you know it was interesting you know people just even my minister he was so i just think um he was young himself Mm. and just not experienced not that i was experienced i I what is the religious piece to that is there a stigma on that Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're going to go to hell because Mm -hmm. you killed yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. And every, again, experience is different and person is different. So, But it's just interesting. What do you think is important for people who are out there listening who may not have experienced a suicide in their, you know, life, but they know someone who has? Is there... You mean oh. just to, if it's a friend? Yeah, yeah. Just to be there as support, like Abby said, and not even to have to say anything. Yeah. Just you bring some food just, yeah. and you hang just out. You are there, you yeah. do their dishes, you do their laundry, you tell them to take a bath, whatever. Mm. That's what my friends yeah. do. Oh, the self-care, the self-care piece. Oh. The self-care piece is super important because, you know, during that time, um, that's like, uh, even more so, it's going to be like the last thing because mm. people are so in this... Traumatized, yeah, heightened awareness. This traumatized mm-hmm. state. And so um, that's why, you know, running became a huge part mm-hmm. of my life during that time. And I got pretty intensely focused on running and the yoga part mm-hmm. and meditation. And But that's what really, I think, helped me through. A so release. Much. It was, too. It was oh, a way that I focus. could release my, um, you know, my emotions, my intense emotions around my father's death and process them and also a way of connecting to him being in nature and just connecting to myself yeah so yeah and those reminders like somebody had said um well I can I'll do anything let me know but saying that to somebody who's grieving they don't know what they need saying hey um I know that your kid needs to go to soccer at this time I'm gonna be the one to pick that up I'll bring you dinner on Tuesday be very specific and follow through that was another thing Mm -hmm. yeah uh through friends and, and, and at the church, people did bring meals. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Mason's favorite cookies. Yeah. Or whatever. Those little things. Whatever yeah. those little things, because yeah. 
you know, I couldn't move. Yes. You know, or uh, I was so insomniac, I would be like a giant eagle at four o'clock in the morning, mm. like just walking mm -hmm. around like a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or some people would just come over and do dishes, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like the simplest thing, just spending time with us and, you know, being around us. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. And yeah. I think sometimes people feel like they're going to make things worse, but there's no way you can make it worse. There's no. no. And I was so grateful to North Hills Outreach also. Mm. They were there. We didn't know what was going to happen to us financially. Mm-hmm. They were there, you know. Uh, That's a really good community resource, uh, North Hills Community uh, Outreach. For, for and they so have many different things. so many programs. So if, mm -hmm. if somebody was afraid or needed help or someone to talk to, that would be someone that I would go to. Yeah. You know. Well, I'd like to thank you both very much for being here. Is there anything else that you, lingering thoughts or feelings that you want to get out there. I don't think that so. if somebody wants someone else goes through what we've gone through that they can contact me definitely. Mm, thank you. Thank you as for that. As an outreach yeah. as to just to someone have someone who knows what you're going through. That's the experience mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you for that offer. That's mm -hmm. very nice. Um, because it is it takes a community. We're here. <laughs> We're a village ourselves and we try to, you know, support one another as best we can. But at the same time, um, the last podcast we were talking about divorce and there was a divorce care group, and there's just something about the people who know, mm -hmm. you know, who know mm -hmm. exactly what it is mm -hmm. that you're going through, so. Mm -hmm. And it's been 12 years for me. Yeah. So, when, when, when it happened and it's so fresh, mm -hmm. you, you can't really function. You have to function, and you go through hour, minute by minute, hour by hour, week by week, but now, looking back on it, you know, yeah. and where I'm at, you know, at least having that ability to maybe be able to support somebody else. Yeah. You know, in, in whatever. Mm -hmm. And holding space. That's like That's it. just what you both said of just being present with somebody. And, right. you know, you don't always have to s say anything at all. So thank yeah. you both again. Thank you. Loved having you on. If you or anyone that you know has been struggling with depression or thoughts of suicide, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy and Gretchen. If you like our show and want more information and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.